You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh, all right, so here we are. It's December. Mm-hmm. Martha has a lot of input on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're doing our third annual Christmas. Yeah. And once again, on our third annual annual Christmas, annual. it's going to be a good night. Huh. It's going to be a great night. We have our friend from the podcast, The Flopcast, and our great editor that makes our podcast mm-hmm. even listenable. We have Kevin with us. Yay, Kevin. Hello. Woo. Hi there. Wow. Yeah, this is a tradition. We've done this every every Christmas uh, since your show started. Mm-hmm. We do these podcast crossovers. So yes. we, we were on the Flopcast with me, and now it's great to be back. Go yeah. listen to the Flopcast anyways. Just but also it. listen to our bit on the Flopcast. On it. Because <laughs> I know we both swore during it and have to be bleeped up. By Rudolph Snows. Also, I got to ask, though, what happened this year on your show uh, this is a trend that I'm not sure I approve of, but uh, you've you've started having guests on the show who aren't me. <laughs> I thought we had an understanding. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> For the first two years of the show, I was your only guest. <laughs> you know what's weird? Here's here's a weird statistic. Because uh, I track everything. I've got a spreadsheet with all kinds of information about my show and about your show. And there have been more guests this year on But First Let's Talk Nerdy than on the Flopcast, which is crazy. But did you you count like Jess and Panda as two? Yes. Even though they were in one episode? Yes. Yes. So you you had your friend Mike. You had Sam and Caroline. Yes. Oh, yeah. I forgot Caroline was there too. Jess and Panda. Jess and Panda. And now me. So you've had six. Dang. Look at us. Yeah, you know, because we've been awful on the Flapcast about booking guests all year. So we've had uh, four, including including the two of you. <laughs> and Felicity is also one of them, I'm assuming. Well, we don't count Felicity as a guest because she's a permanent member of Team Flopcast. Oh, is she? Yeah. I don't think I knew yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. She's not always on the show, but okay. she's, she's part of the team behind the scenes, at least all the time. She's part of the team behind the scenes. Yeah. But yeah, and we did we do a show every week, so that's like fifty two shows, yeah. and we didn't have we didn't have as many guests as you. So yeah, good job stepping up the uh, guest count. You know that guest game on the show. <laughs> yeah, come hey. visit us in Vegas, and maybe you can be talk about stuff to us. <laughs> what do you like? Tell me your stuff. <laughs> oh, so yeah, good time. But um, I guess we'll we'll do this. Yeah. We'll get started, mm-hmm. as we normally do. Yeah. We'll go through our normal introduction here. Yeah. I'm Brittany Petrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. Uh, this is Kevin from the Flopcast. And this is But, but First, Let's, Let's Talk, Talk Nerdy. Clink. clink. Kevin clinked with us through screen. I did a virtual Zoom clink. Through space and time. Actually, he has a very glass clink. You have a little clink. And I have a clonk. Yeah. yeah. What are you drinking there? You got the Truly... Seltzer. I got the Truly. Yep. Martha's got a Topo, Topo Chico. Chico. Oh. Mango. I have holiday beverages for this recording. When we did the Flopcast, I had a uh, Sam Adams old Fezzy wig. Oh, oh I like nice. it. I like it. Which is tasty, but now I'm taking it up a notch for your show. I've got the Mad Elf. Ooh, Ooh. there we go. I like it. These are crazy strong. You got to sip these things carefully. Ooh. What's the percentage? 11. Damn. You know? Okay, damn. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's gonna be drunk by the end of yeah. this. <laughs> Hopefully, let's see what happens. 
All right, so we're going to do what we tend to normally do with guests, where we and we did this last year. We yeah. like to do some lists. Makes it a little bit quicker, but also lets us kind of converse more. It's kind of more of a roundtable, yeah. and also then we all get to judge each other's terrible choices. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I'm going to be judging harshly. I like That's it. Fair. I like it. All right. So you're, you're in Massachusetts. You're supposed to do that. <laughs> all we do is judge each other around here. It's yeah. true. It's true. <laughs> Las Vegas, zero judgment. It's just everybody go do whatever you want. That's also kind of true. <laughs> There's plenty of judgment, but also plenty of whatever the fuck you yeah. want to do. <laughs> yep. um, so we have three topics. Yes. So, Kevin, why don't you start off? Pick one of the topics. Okay. You gave me three topics to choose from. Let's start with desserts and treats. Christmas treats was a topic, right? Perfect. Perfect. I'm going to interrupt you quickly and tell you to list your um, sources right now. My sources? <laughs> I have no sources. Did you not? You didn't Google? Okay, I have sources because I Googled shit. I put zero research into this. Okay, cool. I'm so thoroughly unprepared. This this works well. <laughs> okay. So my one source is writer Indy Samarayeva. And I, I'm probably mispronouncing that name. She can't pronounce the regular <laughs> I'm words. I'm not so here she to pronounce is. regular words. I'm just here to exist. Fuck off. All right, I have a bunch of sources. I did some research, guys. Wow. Um, I have udecatering.com, altaobscura.com, guiltyeats.com, americansongwriter.com, some um, like blog, Jeremy Hellingar, and a family, christmasonline.com, and then, of course, regular Wikipedia. All right, so we're starting with treats, Kevin. Give us your first one. Okay, up first I have, well, you know what I always loved finding in my Christmas stocking as a kid? This would always be a Christmas treat that we would find, my sisters and I. I think uh, my wife, Felicity, you know Felicity. Felicity <laughs> knows how <laughs> She knows how much I always just enjoyed this as such a cool Christmas treat. And so she, I believe she's made a point of uh, making sure that uh, she throws one of these things in my stocking as well. She made the whole stocking. She made like this beautiful needlepoint stocking just for me. Yeah, which is that. great. Cutie. And then every year I find a pack of like the coins, like the chocolate coins, you know? Yep. Oh. A little mesh sack. In the yes, gold wrappers. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. little tin wrappers. Yeah. And in fact, for a visual aid right now, I have a pack of them oh, right here. It, right there. Oh I know you people can't see it, but we sure can. We can. <laughs> the reason I have these is because these are from last Christmas and I forgot to eat them. Oh. And so they're still here. It's chocolate. It doesn't go bad. Do you think they're good? These are still good, Yes, right? does eventually, but you know. They're so fun. They're so cool that I, I'm always like, well, I don't want to just tear them open and have it be over with right away. So I save them and then... But you have like 10 of them in there. It's been too long. Yeah. The whole year slipped away from me and I never got around to uh, cracking them open. So here they are. Should open one up. Right now? See if they're still good. Yeah, let's go. Okay. This is exciting. We're going to test a year-old Christmas chocolate Ooh. coin. I mean, I've eaten so much year-old Halloween candy. I am breaking into it. I have a... Uh, Let's go. A Let's go. I'm so excited. This is a... It says 1852 on it. This is older than I thought. This isn't that, just one year old. That wow. might not be good oh, no. anymore. Oh, no. This coin predates the Civil War. This might be a problem. Um, it literally says 1852 on it. All right. I peeled one of the gold foil things off of it. Here's the other one. Here we go. Here All we right. go. 
here's the year old chocolate or possibly 150 year old. Okay. How is it? Does it taste like chocolate? It's fine. It's fine. It tastes like chocolate. A resounding. <laughs> it tastes like year one year old chocolate. It tastes like basic, boring, crummy milk chocolate that Hershey makes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> But we had so much fun with these things when I was a kid. We loved getting the stupid gold coins, you know? And evidently, I, st- I still do. I still, when I get them, like, I'm always hesitating to open them up because they're so fun just when they're intact. Well, there you go. Now you can eat those and save your new ones from this year till next year and just <laughs> like, do it again. <laughs> I've started a sad new tradition of holding on to uh, chocolate coins for a year at a time. Okay, Kevin, if you don't have your year-old coins next year when we do this, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I guarantee, Britt, I will have year-old chocolate coins for the show next year. I'm going to be disappointed the other way. I'm sorry. We're all going to be disappointed no matter what happens next year. <laughs> I promise. All right. Martha. Okay. Mine is more of a personal one than one that everybody has. But my aunt makes these things that she calls (laughs) scotcheroos. And uh, she's made them since I was, like, younger and a kid. Uh, It's like a layer of Rice Krispie treats, but the Rice Krispie treats are, like, kind of peanut buttery and butterscotchy. And over that, there's a layer of dark chocolate. And then you let the dark chocolate harden, and then you cut it into pieces. And it is probably the most, like, incredible, like, melt-in-your-mouth thing in the entire world. Wow. You sound yummy. Oh, so, so fucking good. So that's, like, one of the things that I think about. Like, I'm going to go home and eat most of a pan of this because uh, I have no self-control. It's... One of my favorite things for Christmas. Could you possibly send your aunt over here to my podcast studio right now? Because uh, that's sounds... I would try to get her here. Yeah. So, because I was like, I'd really like that right now. But I guess that's just life. Yeah. Because I also was like, I don't remember what she calls them because I don't remember names of things. So I had to be like, <laughs> hi, what are those really rummy things that you... you really rummy? Really rummy. <laughs> almost like a rummy. Like a not rummy, but you know, very sweet molasses-y kind of taste to them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my first one is actually a drink. And we're going to go with a nice Christmas classic of some boozy eggnog. Oh, okay. Yes. I almost put boozy eggnog on my list. So I'm, I'm glad you got us covered, Britt. Yes, I got it. Okay. So I actually have a nice little history of eggnog here. So no one 100% knows when eggnog was invented, but most historians and foodies think that it was in medieval Britain. Oh, that tracks. The upper class uh, were the only ones that could have milk, sherry, and eggs required to make the first version of eggnog. So it was an exclusive beverage when it first started out. Rich people. <laughs> right. And they basically would use it to toast for to good fortune. So it ended up being a go-to drink for things like that. And then in the 1700s, aristocrats opted to add in alcohol like brandy to help keep the eggs and milk from going bad, which is how it became boozy. Ah. Yes. Uh, when the drink made its way over to America, brandy was expensive and it was a lot harder to get so that's when they started to add rum instead of brandy which is what most people put in it now i put bailey's in my mind nope i put kalua in it last night it was like frangelico kalua i don't remember there's no also no exact 
exact origin of why, when it became a tradition uh, for Christmas, but there's a few different theories. The first is that eggnog is often served hot, which I actually didn't know and kind of grosses me out. I have never encountered a hot eggnog in my life. But yes, apparently it's served hot often. And obviously during the winter, that's when we think of drinking hot beverages. In the U.S. and Britain at the time, hot drinks were mostly served during cold months to keep warm because this is you know, back in the ye old days where they only had fire. And they just had like stone walls. Yeah. And it's like, I guess we're just going to be cold. cold. Yeah. just going to wear 70 furs. Yep. So it makes sense that it would be primarily a winter drink, which is often then brought into Christmas kind of time. And then the second uh, theory of where it may have become a Christmas drink was during the Revolutionary War. Rum was a lot scarcer. And since that was the alcohol that people in America were using in their eggnog, they would try to save the rum for special occasions for things like Christmas or things like that. So that's when they would add the rum in since they didn't have as much to make it a nice little boozy holiday treat. And eggnog is just yummy. I don't like a whole ton of it, but having a few glasses throughout the the winter and it is kind of even when it's cold it's still like a warmer liquid kind of deal like especially if you add the booze in and it's cr- I like a creamy drink so you know I also drink like almond milk eggnog so it's not even real eggnog yeah. but it's fine <laughs> I usually dilute mine with with almond milk. Yeah. If I buy the, the straight stuff from a store, I'll thin it out. Well, if you buy the straight stuff, it's so thick, yeah, which yeah. I don't super want. But yeah, you add the almond milk is a little, but it's still creamy and oh, yeah, it's still yummy. Yeah. And, 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 it's it, still... and it stretches it out. It lasts a lot longer yes, if you thin exactly. it out. Yeah. It's true. That is true. And I don't really like a lot of Christmas flavors. Like I don't like gingerbread. I don't like... um peppermint so i feel like i used to really even not like eggnog and then i was like you gotta like some flavor <laughs> so i forced myself to drink eggnog now i enjoy it not a lot i can't be one of those people that's constantly drinking it but i can buy one bottle throughout the like december and then have one at my parents house for christmas yeah i got like a regular carton of eggnog i don't know a week or so a couple of weeks ago and then we ran out couple of days ago and now we've just been in a panic we've got to get back to the store and get more <laughs> oh no we gotta get more i just bought the first one last night but yeah they do sell out as soon as you get close to and, Christmas, and they're just they're, so. they're gonna take it away from us you know they, they yeah. pull it off the shelves when the holidays <laughs> are over. True. so you gotta, gotta get now now how do you feel about um where do you stand on like the home homemade eggnog because i like in theory homemade eggnog it sounds lovely that's to me that's great but except that's so much work it's it's work and then the eggs aren't pasteurized right like we're all gonna die i mean i'm not worried about that martha <laughs> might be worried about that yeah. i'm not worried about yeah, that, that sounds like a strong that sounds me. like something i would never think of it just sounds like a lot of work yeah and i'm not here for it so eggs are also so. really freaking expensive right now so no mm. thanks we should get our own chickens and our own pasteurization equipment and then we'll save a lot of money making our own eggnog. Uh, yeah, because that all sounds super cheap. Yeah, let's oh, do that. Chickens are really cute, too. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this plan of mine. <laughs> You're going to keep them all in Massachusetts, right? But send us pictures. And eggs. I guess eggs, too. She doesn't like eggs, but I like eggs. I'm sending you the chickens. I don't want them. No, no, no. We have two pets. We can't have more than two. <laughs> yeah, we can't. It is illegal in our apartment complex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Kevin, what's your number two? Number two, oh, you know, this is something that I actually make. Uh, I make cookies every year. 
for Christmas. And I'm not a big cookie Ooh. guy. I don't make a lot of stuff. I don't bake a lot. But when I was a kid, my mom would make these fudge cookies during the holidays. And they're not much to look at. They're just little, you know, chocolate cookies. You chomp into these things and your head explodes because they're amazing. Mm. But you still have a head, so I don't believe you. Mm. My head has exploded many times. I've had extensive reconstructive surgery over the years, especially <laughs> oh, oh, every okay. January okay. following the holidays. Okay. I check myself okay. directly into a hospital. You know this. I we've we've discussed this. So <laughs> these fudge cookies are insane. And I grew up chomping on these things. Then uh, several years ago, one day... I found this piece of paper in the kitchen, slip of paper, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is a recipe. This is the, this is, these are the fudge cookies. This is oh, the those recipe. Are the cookies recipe. And <laughs> I copied it down. Funny how recipes work. That's funny. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> Turns out that's how a recipe works. <laughs> you can read them and follow them, and it works. I had no idea. So, yeah, I frantically scribbled out. I, I felt like helicopters would come outside the house and people were going to, like, agents would crash through the windows and, and I was going to get in a heap of trouble for copying down this recipe. But I escaped with my own copy of the recipe and I started making these things. And, yeah, people go out of their minds for these fudge cookies. They're so crazy easy to make. Really, really simple. We expect you to send us some. Hmm. We don't want to make them. We're not really making but, people things. But we want them. I can hook you up with these cookies. Let's do this. Yummy, you have to name them now. They can't just be plain old boring chocolate cookie. Yeah, we've just we've always called them like them. we've called them like fudgies or just fudge cookies. They should be head explode cookies. Head explode cookies from now on. Yes. <laughs> head explosion. It's a head explosion. Head explosion cookie. I like it. All right. Okay. So my second one is also a drink. Yay. Yeah. Because I love having fucking hot cocoa. That was my honorable mention. (laughs) With marshmallows and like ideally around Christmas with a candy cane to stir. And now that we're older, alcohol in it. Well, yes, obviously. (laughs) But yeah, it's really, and that's really the only time I like candy canes as an adult because like... Yeah. I also have a couple of candy canes from last year that I haven't broken into yet. Yeah. I feel like I finally just threw away the candy canes that were sitting in the Christmas tree thing. (laughs) And I did look up very briefly on Wikipedia right now. Hot chocolate. (laughs) Hot chocolate history. Hot chocolate was brought to North America as early as the 17th century by the Dutch, which makes sense because chocolate is kind of yep. like a very much their thing. Um, but the first time colonists began selling hot chocolate was around 1755. And traditionally it's associated with cold weather and winter in the United States, which makes sense because who wants, I mean, I get that some people like a hot drink anytime, but Ew. those people are those psychos. people are weird. That's crazy. <laughs> Um, I only like a hot drink when I'm cold and the peppermint mocha, peppermint chocolate flavor of anything. That's my flavor. That's like the Christmas flavor that I pick the Christmas, like sweet flavor. Like, yes, this is, this is the one I know. Yep. Can't do the eggnog. Both of us hate gingerbread. Yeah. We're not gingerbread people. Ew. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I get that it's great for houses and it's not great for anything else. The gingerbread that you make for the houses anyways isn't supposed like to be eaten bread. because it's... Well, Not it's, bread. That's wrong. It's harder. I meant to say brick and I yeah. said bread. But yeah. That was wrong. If you eat gingerbread, you want it to be softer and those won't stand up in the houses. But I don't want any kind of gingerbread. Very few construction materials are delicious. 
I've found. And believe me, I've tried. I've been searching. <laughs> Kevin eats glue all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Just shingles. <laughs> My next one is the good old Yule log. Ah. Very classic. Very Christmas. So the Yule log cake or... Me butchering French here. Oh, Bouche de Noël. Yeah, you got it. Is a Christmas cake shaped and decorated to look like a log, ah. like all 3D and shit. So the Yule log cake is a rolled genoise. Genoise. Uh, genoise. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. See, she does French. I can't. This is something that happens in the <laughs> podcast a lot. Genoise. Mm-hmm. It's a sponge cake. Mm. And it's filled with buttercream and decorated with chocolate frosting or ganache, which is combed with a fork to create that bark-like texture. And then woodsy decorations are added, such as some crusted pistachio moss, some marzipan mushrooms, and some holly garnishes to give it the impression that you just picked it right up off that forest floor. I want, like, a little marzipan frog on top. I mean, you could. Give it a little Santa hat. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. So in pre-industrial Europe, the Yule log was an actual piece of wood. And the name comes from the Nordic Midwinter Festival that involved burning logs in honor of the god of thunder and lightning, good old Thor. Wow. Yes. So it, it goes back that far. Viking invasion spread the tradition across Europe and the celebration became entwined with Northern European winter solstice rituals, uh, especially those of the um, Celts and uh, who believed that burning a massive log vanquished the winter darkness. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yule logs had to be large enough to burn throughout the longest, coldest night of night of the year uh, with some unburned left over. The remainder of the log would be lit next year as a symbol of continuity. I love that. Isn't it cute? That's so... Why are, every, like, tradition that we got in Christianity is, is boring as shit. That's so cool. It's true. <laughs> sorry, Siri was talking. Um, I'm sorry right. I insulted Ooh. God, Siri, my bad. <laughs> so... The first known Yule Log cake recipe was published in 1895. You're going to have to read all this for me. Oh, by boy. French pastry chef Pierre Lecam in Le Memorial Historique et Géographique de la Patisserie. A lot of French mm-hmm. words there, everyone. Which is, let's see, where were we? The Historic Memorial of Geography and of Pastry. pastry. Mm hmm. Pastries. <laughs> Francophone? Francophone countries? Francophone. Francophone. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, French France. speaking. I've never heard that word ever. Hmm? Interesting. It's just, you know, French speaking countries. Yeah. So I like, couldn't just say that. <laughs> I pasted this clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so those French speaking countries, most of them avidly consume Yulog cakes, although they're common in many countries that celebrate Christmas and modern recipes have maybe even added some eggnog or gingerbread in the frosting. And they're just yummy. And there's a lot of different things that a lot of, they've changed or not like changed, but there's a lot of different variations of them now. You can go like all chocolate. Some of them have vanilla in there and they're yummy. And who doesn't? 
Who isn't like some chocolate ganache? Mm. I don't think I've ever had one of these Yule log cakes. Really? Oh, yeah. That's they're really crazy. pretty. They're really cute. They literally they're three D. They're folded, so they literally look like yeah. a log. And then there's like the cream or whatever in between, and they really look like the log with all the little stuff. They did a British baking say, whole episode on that where everybody yes, where that's one of the, the uh, challenges. challenges. It was really, but they're really cute and they're yummy. It's like a nice chocolate sponge cake. If we're going to put like a marzipan frog on top of it, and if this was all originally done in honor of Thor, right? There's that frog Thor character, right? Frog. It's true. Yes. So come he on. He should be frog. He, yeah. You're right. Yeah. I agree. The traditional. I agree. Yule. We're going to make a Yule log cake <coughs> and we're going to do that with a hammer too. We're going to do it with art. Remind me that this is going to be the art for the fucking show. <laughs> All right. And that's my number two. Because right. who doesn't like a yummy? And it's just like, it is like if you get a good one, they are like literally art. Mm, yeah. They're so cute. All right, Kevin. Number one. One more for me. Well, I, I believe you have each uh, done a beverage at this point. So I will. It's your turn, right? I'm match you beverage for yeah, beverage yeah. for beverage. <laughs> Because uh, when I was I was a kid, perhaps uh, semi inappropriately, I was introduced to a very strong, very boozy holiday beverage. As a kid, <laughs> I became aware of this uh, Swedish stuff, a hot mold wine boozy sort of a thing Ooh. called glug. Glug. <laughs> that sounds. It Swedish. just sounds like a glug. That sounds Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> it's like G L O G G, and I think there's like little dots over the letter O. You know, it's that kind of thing. You sound like you have a frog stuck in yeah. your throat. But mm-hmm. we we would just say glog. Okay, that's fair. We would just do like a stupid American version of how to pronounce it. Very American, <laughs> of course, of course, us fucking Americans over here. Yeah. So we just called it Glog. But yeah, my, my dad used to work for a uh, Swedish-owned company. And so they would produce tons of this stuff every year. Like they would bottle it, make giant vats of this stuff and put it in bottles for, for their whole company. And it sold? I think it was just like to give out oh. among the company. So we would always end up with a bunch of bottles of this stuff at the house. And so they'd let us, we were still kids, but you know, they'd let us sample a little bit of it. And it was yummy. So then many years later, I thought, you know, we should figure out how to make this stuff and we'll just start making it ourselves. And so uh, most years, the last several years, uh, uh, Felicity and I, you know Felicity, Felicity and I have... uh, (laughs) This is the third time we've talked about Felicity. (laughs) (laughs) We've started making our own glog. Is it kind of just like a malt wine sangria, like you... Boil it and yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Except you kick up the booze. Except you just pour more booze in there. Is there fruit in there? Less fruit, more booze. It's not okay. a lot of fruit, but it's yeah. You start with red wine, uh, port wine, which is sweeter. Dump some regular red wine. Dump some port wine in. Really sounds like wassail. You can add like brandy, vodka, you know, grain alcohol, whatever you want to yep. dump in to just really kick up the booze content, and then just a ton of spices. Like you, you put in like cinnamon sticks, mm-hmm. uh, raisins. Uh, orange peel. I don't want any of this. Cloves, cardamom, a bunch of stuff like that. It sounds awful. <laughs> See, I've had wassail, yeah. which I really liked, which is very similar. It starts with port and like some other sweeter wines, yeah. but it's not as boozy. Yeah. But it has a lot of like fruit and spices. And when you smell it, you're like, mmm, it smells so good and warm. It can be similar to like a mince pie. 
in flavor. Yeah. Yeah. But the one I had was definitely less boozy. But it's from here we come a wassling. A bunch of kids trying to get booze going door to door. We make it super boozy. And, and yeah, you serve it hot. It's pretty fantastic. Mm. We haven't done it so much in, in recent years, but for a while, like we were making a lot every year and, and I was getting bottles. We were bottling it and like printing. I would design labels for it. <laughs> That's fine. That's really fun. I think it's time to bring that back, Kevin. Yeah. We should bring it back. Yeah. You got to do it. If you bring it back, send us a bottle and I'll drink and it. And she'll drink it. It doesn't sound like my jam. No. <laughs> yeah. For a while, we were giving out several bottles every year that's fine i draw like a wacky chicken character for the label yeah <laughs> no, you should do that again that sounds yeah, like fun. That's really fun i don't th- i think we missed last year oh, all right you know what i'm bringing it back this year i just decided let's yeah. go let's go i like it it's glog time <laughs> i like it i've never heard of that yeah, no, i've never that's heard cool. of that either that's really cool good stuff okay so my last one and i tried to look up how old these things are i don't know i couldn't find it not very old. Okay. They're recent. Trader Joe's has these cookies. They're called the JoJo's. They're essentially their version of an Oreo, which is a very, like, it's fine. It's a mediocre cookie. They don't do an incredible job with it. But in December, they make the candy cane ones where the frosting inside of them has, like, crushed up candy canes. It's like a peppermint candy cane in it. And then they have a version of that where they coat the entire thing in dark chocolate and then they sprinkle like crumbled up candy canes on top of it called the dark chocolate covered peppermint jojos and they are probably the best thing i've ever tried in my life it comes in a box of like eight which is the most sad thing in my life because i could eat so they're like control yours that's why (laughs) that's why they put them in a box of eight i don't want to. It's chocolate covered Oreos are yeah. always huge. Exactly. They're delicious, it's but they're so huge. Good. But it's like if you like peppermint and chocolate, it's exactly like the perfect version of it. It's so good. She does love them though. Yeah. I don't like peppermint, so I'm the I worst person to ask, but have been <laughs> I joined their Facebook group <laughs> like many years ago. There's a Facebook group for this cookie specifically? There's a Facebook group for this specific cookie about sightings and it wow. gets like sightings <laughs> like people are like we see it out here in Oregon in fucking November like November 1st and I'm like you lucky sons of bitches sighting <laughs> that's really yeah. funny like the cookie appears in the sky and then a cult forms around it exactly and I would happily like this is the cult I will definitely join <laughs> and am probably indoctrinated in by the amount of boxes that i bought and eaten but that's fine <laughs> i love them so much she does i can attest to they're this. so good all right my last one also st- sort of following them maybe not super christmasy but like my christmasy um is the italian pizzelles oh pizzelles. i love pizzelles so pizzelles comes from the italian word round or flat so like pizza and the L part means small. So it's just like a round little small thing. Oh my god, they're so good. <laughs> they have been, as soon as they've been made, basically popular. They're small, they're round, they're simple batter of sugar, eggs, flour, butter, um, butter or oil, and then a little bit of flavoring. I think it's anise. Anise. Anise black licorice is the traditional flavor. Modern options are usually vanilla, peppermint, lemon, or chocolate. 
But there's a ton of different recipes well, even if for you them. Don't, like, I'm not a black licorice person, and I still, and these ones are still yeah. really good because they're not too, it's very light. Well, it's very light. They're very light cookie. So they are the, like a humble Italian cookie, mm. and they are usually topped off with that nice little dusting of powdered sugar, which is delicious. They're made using an iron plate um, or some kind of waffle iron. And usually those waffle irons have some kind of floral pattern or snowflakey pattern so on pretty. it. Yeah. And then when you, like I said, then you have a little dash of the powdered sugar and it gives that like snowy kind of feeling. They are traditional around Christmas and Easter or a big giant pile of them at Italian weddings because mm. they are meant for celebrations. So they first appeared in South Central area of Abruzzo, Italy, where two small villages Cosillo, the province of La Aquila, and Sale, in the in the province of Pescara, claim the right to the origins of the sweets. They were first made in uh, for the Festival of Snakes, Ooh. which is apparently a very unique um, a tradition. It kind of went into it, but I was like, I don't need to super go into it. It's very old. It's a very old tradition of Italy, and this claims to be one of the first cookies of Italian history. I that. Uh, basically, there was like a town overrun by snakes. They oh, defeated them. The, um... And when they defeated them, they ate all these cookies and had a good celebration. So now these cookies are forever linked with celebrations, which is why they're around Christmas, Easter, and weddings and stuff like that. St. Patrick's so... is about snakes, too. Okay, yeah. So very, they're so good. They're so light. They're so yummy. They Sometimes they can be a little soft or they can be crunch. Ah, uh, yes. Depending on like how much they're... Crunch. Yeah, depending yeah. on how much they're waffled. So we, um, when we first moved to where my parents live now, um, we had these two elderly uh, Italian women who lived next to us. Mm -hmm. And they would basically just like, like for Halloween, I would get like a stack of pizzas. Yeah, they're so yummy. They're so yummy. But yeah, so we always have them, obviously, us and my Italian family. (laughs) It's probably as Italian as we get, because for the rest of Christmas, we eat like Chinese food, but it's fine. (laughs) And that is that one. I did not realize the Italians were also battling snakes. With did, battling I snakes. Know, right? Are there like mythic snake battles in every nation in Europe? Apparently so. You know what's amazing? Walking into your favorite bar or coffee shop and running into an author you absolutely love. Or bumping into an author you've never heard of before, but find your new favorite book. That's what we do on Drinking With Authors. You get to hear all the stories of what made the author's stories great and how they got there on their journey. So grab a drink and join us on Drinking With Authors. All right, Kevin. Yeah. Next topic. I get to pick the next topic? Yeah, you get to pick all the topics. Ooh, okay. Well, there's only two topics left. But there's only two left, so whatever <laughs> you don't pick is the next one. Yes. Well, let's do the other uh, like top three countdown topic that we had, and that is the worst Christmas songs. The worst Christmas songs. <laughs> 
I found myself making myself really mad just thinking you know, about this. You know, as one does. You know. All right, Kevin, start us off. Okay, well, you know, I guess we can make this an awkward transition because you were just talking about those delicious Italian snake-fighting cookies. Gazelles. And one of the songs that came to mind immediately when you asked me what are my least favorite songs is uh, Dominic the Donkey. <laughs> one of yours it is not oh shocking because i hate that so much martha also it's hates an that honorable song. mention for sure <laughs> that's like an italian donkey christmas song and i hate it <laughs> it's very bad yeah. why do you hate it because of the way it sounds <laughs> it, it just is grating on the ears yeah it's bad to listen to i feel like i haven't heard it in several years which is great like if there's a traditional Christmas donkey for Italians, I love the shit out of that. I think that's a great idea for them. I like donkeys. Yes, I think donkeys are really cute. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want them singing Christmas songs. And also just get a real donkey. And then I'll at least be like, well, at least I know that donkey is cute. Instead of some dude being like, yeah, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, I, I am. A, I'm in favor Ooh. of animals singing Christmas songs. Because if you recall, we discussed Christmas music on this show a year ago. And yes. <laughs> yes. my favorite Christmas song is the dogs singing Jingle Bells. I'm on record with that. <laughs> which, that's fair. That's fair. I can't even tell you which ones I said were my favorite. I know uh, at least one of them. I don't remember. So <laughs> here we are, because I have so many favorites. I think we only did one song each, although I think Martha did two last year. Oh. And because I keep a giant crazy spreadsheet of all this stuff, uh, Britt, I believe you picked your mean one, Mr. Grinch. Okay, Ooh, that is a, a good, good one. <laughs> Every time we listen to it, I'm like, damn, we should bring some of these sayings These back. are all such good things Ooh. to call people. <laughs> <laughs> they're bad. It's a they're good one. They're things to call people, but they're really, really good and mean. Martha, you, you talked about God rest ye merry gentlemen, and what child is this? Yep. Of course, Martha fucking snuck in too, because she's a bitch. I am bad at making decisions. <laughs> but I was just all about the dog singing Jingle Bells. That's, That's fair. fair. All right. I'm going to go this time. Yes. Go right ahead. Okay. I'm actually going to do one that Martha and I can essentially talk about together right now. We'll just get this one out of the way now. At least least one that's the same. Martha and I, I can say this for both of us, and it's definitely both on our list, is do they know it's Christmas time? Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Okay. Quick little, let's go over this quickly. Yep. It was recorded by the... Super band in 1984, Band-Aid. <laughs> it was written by Boomtown Rats' Bob Geldof yep. and Ultravox's Midge Er. Right. To, and guess what it was written for? To raise awareness and funds to the famine in Ethiopia. Mm. But, but let's talk about why it's fucking why it's awful. <laughs> so we're going yes, to keep this nice and quick and simple because we could literally have a whole podcast I episode could... on why this song is disgusting. How many times yep. have we screamed? We screamed. Yeah, so this. it's on my <laughs> Christmas playlist because I downloaded just like an essential Christmas playlist and then I keep forgetting just to delete it and we scream about <laughs> it as I skip it each single time. Every single time. <laughs> so it's just a Nikki song and here's why. First off, it's recorded basically by a group of privileged white, mostly men, basically just white explaining poverty to a predominantly black continent of Africa. It also makes Africa a monolith. It's like everyone is this poor and famine. Yes. And they're like, yes, "Yes, no, 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 that's not true. And then 
It also it goes with that whole too common assumption that everybody is just fucking Christian mm-hmm. and there's it's the center of the fucking universe and no one is has any other religious beliefs ever. Everybody's just Christian. So those are like the two main things. It's fucking racist and it fucking thinks that Christianity is the end all it's be all. Evangelizing. It's, it's, it's gross. Yeah. And the, um, one source that I have, the quote that I have from the uh, writer, uh, Indy Samurai Yiva, um, is, so the song is talking about a famine in Ethiopia, but generalizing it to all of Africa, a horrible place where nothing grows, there is no water besides tears, no one knows it's <laughs> Christmas, and it doesn't snow. Which is all wrong. It does snow in Africa, although not, not a lot, but it snows probably the same amount in Africa as it does in, like, fucking England. Like, food does grow on the continent. They have water. They do have water. And North Africa, as part of the Roman Empire, was celebrating Christmas centuries before England. Perhaps they were thinking of Antarctica. And it was, one of the, artic- the article I was reading on this was even, like, for trying to be, like, famine in Ethiopia, there are, like, a total, like, three or four black people in the video mm-hmm. and there are zero <laughs> females in the video. Zero. It's bad. It's real bad. It's real bad. It's a bad And song. the song, yeah. And the fact that they're still playing it yeah, now. Yeah, it's really bad. It's disgusting be. and they should cancel get rid it. of it. Yeah, it, that needs to be canceled. Yeah. And it's Not awful. like a person who's like, cancel everything. Yeah. But this song, cancel it. Yeah. I don't I never hear it again. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, everything that you have both said is absolutely... Correct. <laughs> However, oh no, I just love it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I get it just being like a classic Christmas song, yeah. but it's just not a good Christmas song. Yeah, th- this is awesome. a it's a generational thing. I I loved eighties pop music at the time. It's and not even a good eighties pop music, though. It's not even a good song. Like the tune is bad, <laughs> the singing is not bad. Great. Like nobody's doing a special job. I'm just saying. I feel like most people in Christmas mu- music aren't doing special jobs. No. <laughs> no, it's a rarity. <laughs> it's a rarity. Yeah. There are some of them that are like, oh, did you try? But no, not normally. But yeah. <laughs> it's not a good song, Kevin. It's bad. It's, it's you're right, very you're racist. Right. <laughs> it's very racist. So I cannot defend my fondness, my, my nostalgic appreciation. But nostalgia does make you do dumb things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've learned that when I rewatched Buffy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as a kid, just staring at MTV in the 80s, we were excited about this song and like seeing all these pop stars together. It was like the Justice League, you know, of, of uh, British pop. <laughs> In that it was ultimately disappointing. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And that Wonder Woman should have kept on her own. That this was the British famine relief project, and then a few months later, the Americans did We Are the World. Of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they did. Yeah, then they did the big Live Aid concert the following summer. So like 84, 85, this was a big thing that was happening. We both were at Bourne, so. Oh, yeah. Thank God we dodged Dodge that, that one. <laughs> You missed it, and um, for those of us that were around, we loved it, but everything you're saying is completely correct. <laughs> yes. Nostalgia is a weird thing, though. Yeah. It really yep. is. It makes you still feel these things for things that you're like, this is awful. So, all right, Kevin, <laughs> since we essentially did a two-in-one, you're next. <laughs> okay, what else did I have? Oh, I have 
It's a horrifying country song about a dying woman. It's called The The Christmas Shoes. <laughs> Me too! I also have that one! We have a three-way match? Yes! All right. Air high-five, Kevin, through the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I have not actually heard this song. It's been several years since I experienced it. And oh, yeah. it's, here's my it's deal with it. While, it's like, just miserably so sad. Funny. This is about Christmas. It's just, it, it's like, it's a little kid that. So, okay, do you have the history of it? I have the history of it. Oh, good. Because I, I don't even know who did it. I couldn't even tell you who was responsible so for this. So the Christmas song is written by Eddie Carswell and Leonard um, Alstrom of the Christian group New Song. This song became a hit for the band. The band is called New Song? Yep. The, yep. It's a Christian group called New Song. No space in between those words. They really put a lot of effort into uh, naming the band. I know, right? Paved the way for multiple books and television movies, at movie adaptations. Where it came from, a story popped up on the internet in the good old 90s, as things do. Oh my god! About a boy trying to buy a special pair of shoes for his shoes for his dying mother for Christmas. He didn't have enough money to buy them, and then a kind stranger came She doesn't came need along. shoes. She's dying. She's dying. She's already... Yeah. You should probably be sitting with her instead yeah. of crying over these shoes. Yeah, like, it, it sounds like she's in a hospital bed. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, she's literally about to die. You're not going to shove fancy shoes on her at this yeah. point. Um, I just but somebody would give me money. He's, this little boy is trying to buy the shoes for his mom, and he's like, <laughs> Daddy doesn't say, like, Mom doesn't have much longer to live, and this stranger comes by and it and ends up paying, like, the difference. So the boy is, like, five bucks and gives them 30 or whatever. The story isn't actually true. Obviously, well, because <laughs> who would do that? Yeah. So <laughs> it's not a true story. Like, my mom has cancer. I'd be like, why are you with um, her? But the, it was told on, I think it was told on some radio station like that. The, and then it, like someone's like, oh, I saw the story on the internet. It was told and then it became like this thing. And that's when they heard it and made a song out of it. But it's just extremely sad and tragic. And I'm like, it's fucking Christmas. I am sad enough every other time of year. I don't need Christmas to also I be you miserable. Were just say, I'm sad enough. <laughs> I am. Yeah, period. That is period as well. I don't need any more help to be sad. So that's why I don't like it. Well, and it's also like okay. One of the lyrics is, "I want her to. Look, I want her to look beautiful if Mama meets Jesus tonight." And I'm like, first of oh. all, leave your Jesus shit at home. I don't want to listen to your go- you say you're- as your hymns are your favorite I fucking like Christmas hymns, song. But usually hymns are depressing. It's different. Oh no. <laughs> They're less pandering and that's the difference. Keep the Christ out of Christmas, Martha says. <laughs> Why do you hate the song, Kevin? <laughs> Well, it's for one thing, it's a country song, so immediately that that's a mark against it mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, it's actually not a country song. It's made by a Christian band, so it's a Christian song. Again, I, I haven't actually listened to it in several years, but as I recall, it's a country song. So like, it could be both. It could be Christian and it's, country. Yeah, which are two marks against it at that point. Yeah. So it did actually do better on country stations than Christian stations. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I, I do remember that they made a movie. Yeah. There is a movie because yep. uh, Rob Lowe, like an actual movie star, Rob Lowe stars in the in the movie. That's embarrassing for Rob Lowe. Mm-hmm. I hope he's embarrassed about that. I heard him mention it on a podcast. Did he mention it negatively? No, he seemed fine with it. <laughs> okay, well, that's a really, that's double embarrassing for 
oh, you thought you were a movie star, and then you did this. I have not seen the movie. I, I hope I never hear the song again. I have not seen it either. <laughs> I will never I, see no. it. No, luckily they don't play that song a lot. Some of them you can't escape, but that one is one of those that you luckily don't hear that often. I think they also realized, oh, it's just really depressing. No one wants to feel no it. No one wants to fucking hear it's it. It's kind of notorious at this point, I think. You know, it's known as a song that everybody hates. I think, yeah. I hope. Ugh. I kind of live in a bubble where like, I don't go anywhere and I don't listen to the radio. So I, I'm not really exposed to... I listen to the Christmas station a lot because, I mean, I have my playlist, but a lot of times I'll just hit the radio when I'm in my car. And I actually don't think I've heard it on the radio at all this year. So that's good. Yeah, I usually just stick with my own playlist, which means that I just mm-hmm. listen to the dog singing Jingle Bells again and again and again. <laughs> over and over and over again. Okay, it's great. Yeah, so I'm good. <laughs> They've got to sing a couple of songs, right? Dogs are very talented. They're great. <laughs> not ours, but you know. No, not ours. Some, some dogs. Some well, I love that we all put that on our list. Yes. Yes. So you get to go again because that was a three for one. Ah, okay. <laughs> So we're back to you. We went in a circle right back to you. <laughs> a circle of hate. The, the, so Dominic the donkey and the Christmas shoes, the, those were immediately I thought of those two. Okay. <laughs> For three, I was trying to think, what should I put on this list? And I ended up going with, there's a song called An Axel Christmas. That's A-X-L. <laughs> it's about Ew. <laughs> the lead singer of Guns N' Roses, Axel Rose. No! This is a song about Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses replacing Santa Claus at Christmas. Oh, what? No! My God, is this like a Kissy's Christmas kind of deal? It came out in the early 90s, and uh, yeah, it's out there. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, the song is by a band called the Sponge Awareness Foundation, and it's my band. That's me singing this song. This I wrote this song. <laughs> Kevin, we can't be friends anymore. We can't be friends anymore. This is it. This is the end. <laughs> You've crossed the line. It actually got a lot of radio play at the time. Several radio stations picked it up. It was played quite a bit on a national radio. Oh, God. What the fuck is it called? Because we got to listen to this. It's called An Axel Christmas. Oh, my God. Can you put it, can you put it at the end of our... our- well, copyright, come get us, Kevin. He was going to say, it's your your copyright, so you won't sue us. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I can put a little taste of the song oh into uh, into this podcast. Sure. Oh, yes, please. My God. You can hear my beautiful singing voice. And, you know, I sing like an angel. That's no secret. I'm so sad that you went first. You should have gone last. <laughs> that was such a good answer. That should have how we oh ended. Why didn't you end this way? <laughs> Who cares about anything else we have to talk about right now? Uh, An Axel Christmas by the Sponge Awareness Foundation. It is on Spotify. And if everybody listening to this podcast goes and listens to this song on Spotify right now, you'll have 25 more views. I will I will personally earn like 164th of a penny or something like that. Let's go. Let's make that happen. Make my my Christmas wish come true. Oh my fucking god. Don't worry, Kevin. We're going to go listen to it as soon as we leave this podcast. I've heard today. What was it called again? An Axel Christmas by the Sponge Awareness <laughs> Foundation. We're going to look it up right now. Bring it up Spotify. Bring it up Spotify. It's in there. I just, I'm dying. I do not. <laughs> I found it. I found it. I found it. 
We got it. Martha and I both got it. We got it. I'm crying. Oh my god. <laughs> I like how it says it's a 2021 single. It was remastered. I see that. It was remastered and added to Spotify just last year. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Okay, that's going to be our gem for later, Martha. Oh my god. All right. I don't have enough words for this. Yeah, you can enjoy that all night now. There's nothing that's going to top this. That just peaked and peaked and peaked. <laughs> Shit. Was that was the last oh thing I would have ever thought was going to just happen. <laughs> I cannot help but put my own song on a list of the worst Christmas songs. I mean, it doesn't sound great to it's... throw it out there. <laughs> to throw that out there quickly doesn't sound great. All right. My last one, you should know this one, because uh-huh. I hate this song okay. with every ounce of my being. We might have the same one again. Last Christmas. Oh, no, we don't. I oh, no. hate <laughs> this. I can't even, like, a lot of them I can sort of muscle through, even if I don't really like them. I'd rather sit in silence than listen to this song. <laughs> I hate this song so much, and every variation of it, and all, all of the all covers are just 400... Yeah. 23 versions that are out there of this song. I hate it. I hate it. So. Some history. Here's some history. There's not much history (laughs) because it was written or was released in December of 1984 by Wham. Ta-da. It's Wham. Wham with an exclamation point. Yeah. They were great. And it's Wham. Not this. Not this. It's Wham. Like there's no history other than Wham release this Wham song. Did the that's, that's all there is. Also, Britt, FYI, the lead singer of Wham, George Michael, that's one of the voices you hear in Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas. He was on that track as well. We're bringing it around to awfulness. Mm. Two of your three <laughs> worst Christmas songs have the same guy singing on yeah, it. Well, he sucks, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. George Michael was, was awesome. Was he, though? Yes! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so... As a person, not really but it's, it's i mean it's <laughs> yeah. a typical it's just a breakup song that just happens to do with you know their relationship started around christmas but it's overplayed there's nine billion fucking remakes of it for some reason because this song is fucking awful Every artist it, is yeah like, what about me <laughs> yeah it sucks it sounds whiny the whole time <laughs> and he just sounds like a fucking little whiny bitch that needs to fucking get over it it's been a whole fucking year this person obviously doesn't like you move the fuck on <laughs> Are, are you familiar with uh, the Whamageddon game that people play yes, every year? Yes. Yeah? Do you play? No, but I obviously hear it, and then it I instantly... Happens. Yeah, it still happens. Yeah. And then I it still instantly... Happens not me. on my Christmas playlist, so if I didn't listen to the radio, I might be able to survive it. Or watching stores. It's a problem, because luckily SoulCycle doesn't play a lot of Christmas music, but they definitely don't play Wham, so... Yeah, I got Wham to go into Walmart earlier. Last Christmas isn't really a SoulCycle kind of a song. <laughs> no. It's... I can't. Wake me up before fucking, you go, go. You can't really cycle to Wham. No. The song makes me irrationally angry. It's really funny. (laughs) And Axel Christmas, however, that would totally work with Soul Cycle. So feel free, Britt. Next time you're let's go. I'm doing a Christmas playlist playlist. next week. Yes, next time. (laughs) Next time you're running a a a, a spin class. I like it. All right, Martha, your last song. Okay. I kind of wish I didn't go last, but here we are. 
We got a lot of my ire out on the other ones. (laughs) (laughs) But I do hate this song. Happy Christmas War is over. Oh. So, firstly, I gotta say, I like a couple Beatles songs, but I think as a band, they're vastly overrated. They're a bunch of dweebs with okay voices who got too big for their britches. Uh, Also, John Lennon was an abusive fuck who we've decided to rewrite into somebody incredible because he got murdered. And sometimes bad people get murdered and that's how it is. And it's fine. But did he get murdered? Oh, yeah. Isn't that the conspiracy? No. There's a million. Isn't there a conspiracy that he's like still alive? I mean, probably. There's probably some some <laughs> wacky fringe group out there, but no. Give us Tupac, not fucking John Lennon. This was written as a protest song against the Vietnam War. So, I mean, you can't too much ignore the history there, I guess. But also, like, uh, it's just so much pushing an agenda. And also just war is over if you want it. War is over now. I'm like, it's not. And That's also, not how this works. dumb. This is, you can't just be like, oh, well, if maybe if it's Christmassy enough and we're happy, war will just stop. I'm like, are you a fucking idiot? Does anybody remember whatever battle that was where, was it the Brits that were like, oh, it's Christmas time. We're going to all celebrate. And then the opposing uh, army came in and slaughtered them overnight. I do not. I forget what it was. Where they were, like, but it was because it was Christmas. Like, fucking soccer. You, there was, Which there was, was some. But of course, you have the opposite. Like, yeah. That one time people played soccer because it was Christmas is not what happens usually because most people are like, fuck you and your holiday. No. It's still a war. There is one one instance where the other, one of the opposing sides was like, oh, it's Christmas. They were like celebrating, drinking, and then the other side came in and like slaughtered their camp because they were sleeping and passed I would be out. Because they're I would like, be no. This is still war, and you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) One of the other Beatles, Paul McCartney, did a song and a music video called Pipes of Peace, where that that soccer game that breaks out during the war. Paul McCartney did that in a video. Yeah, that will never happen ever again. The Beatles are such corny fucks. Well, they're just all fucking (laughs) high hippies. (laughs) They're all high and they're all hippies. I'm not even saying that. It's just there are plenty of high hippies who weren't corny fucks. Yeah, but you know, a lot of them are like, no war. But they're not like, because it's Christmas. No, no, they're not. (laughs) Because it's Christmas. Maybe it's like, don't beat your wife, John. Because it's Christmas. I hate the Beatles. Beach Boys forever. That's all right. There's a big Beach Boys fan. Oh. Also, the the yellow and red ones is just such a like. Yeah, that is fucking not cool. I forgot that. Was Come on. All right, right. That, that, was that okay then? It doesn't I, feel okay. No, then. I think, I just it think probably it was, a lot of though. people. Well, it's never okay. But and give yeah John Lennon a pass because he's I don't know a Beatle. Right. Like and and he's dead. So, like, they can't talk to his face and be like, you dude suck. Come we could, we could, ghost of we John We could go Lennon. to that median breakfast. Yeah. Median brunch. <laughs> yes, there's a place here that does brunch, but you can brunch. I wish I could brunch remember with what a medium. Was. Yeah, it's brunch with a medium, so you're brunching with the dead. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, no. bring John Lennon through. I'm going to fucking fight him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to fight. <laughs> All right, Kevin. All right. I like it. I like how you come out swinging at the end, uh, going after a yeah. beetle like that. What are they going to do? Hit me? And besides that song, also Paul McCartney's uh, 
Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time is also a very hated, hated Christmas song. Also bad. Yeah, they just didn't do a good job with any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how that song sounds. That's very accurate. Yes. <laughs> that's my Paul McCartney voice, apparently. <laughs> that was good. I thought he was here. I thought he jumped into the, the Zoom call. <laughs> Once again, a lot of Christmas songs aren't actually great. <laughs> Yep. They're not great. They're they're not well thought out. They're very simple and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's a way to do it where it's good. Most people don't understand that. No. Most people are like, we're just gonna jump. That's why there's been no really like new Christmas songs that have stuck in years because all the ones that the new like pop stars release out just suck. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Beach Boys are like, here's a thousand Christmas bangers. Meanwhile, Mariah's like, I became the Christmas queen. Mm-hmm. And I made this fucking Christmas song and like my these Christmas songs in my backyard while building a snowman with my family. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody wants to be Mariah again. And Mariah's song, which still seems like a new song to me. That- I know. Sometimes it's shocking yeah. that it came out in like 1992. Yeah. That's like a 30 year old song at this point. Crazy. But please don't be. Mar- you cannot be Mariah Carey. Stop Let's move to- on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a thousand fucking Christmas songs. Yeah. Just redo or, those. Or don't when you're if you're making your own little Christmas songs, don't try to be fucking Mariah Carey when That's, you're doing it. Well, yeah. If you can't do whistle tones, don't do whistle yeah. tones. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, in the early 90s, the Christmas song was perfected by two artists, and that was Mariah Carey and the Sponge Awareness Foundation. And now we just have to move on because it's never going to happen like that ever again. I don't know, Kevin. NSYNC's fucking Happy Holidays was a fucking bomb. That is a That's good a good one. point. Good call. <laughs> Like we, we had Justin Timberlake's ramen hair going on. <laughs> Happy holidays. Yeah, yeah. Bop. <laughs> Bop right there. <laughs> it is really catchy, though. <laughs> for a promo for the Epsilon 3 podcast. The Epsilon 3? What do we talk about? It's a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Babylon 5? What's that? It's the greatest 1990s sci-fi show in history. How are we going to watch it? With glee and excitement. How would we rate those kind of episodes? Out of jump gates. How many jump gates? Out of five jump gates. Because it's Babylon 5. That is correct. If you go to Zahadum, you will die. But you know what you won't do? You won't die listening to the Epsilon 3 Podcast, right here on the ESO Network. All right, Kevin, last topic. We are talking about just some of our favorite Christmas decorations, our favorite Christmas decoration. Only pick one. The one. Just one. This is not a top three. Just one. And you know what I thought of, and I'm just going just on a very personal, nostalgic level. I'm going back to uh, there's a, a Christmas decoration which I personally made. Oh God! When I was a little kid. Oh my God! Like in a in school, we're gonna make these make a decoration to put on your tree when you go home. You know that kind of thing. And I made it. And and we hung it up, and it it's just hideous and stupid. Do you still have it? Yes. Okay, good. We you, have a ton of my made yeah, ones I don't know because why. my mom gave them to me mom, for sentiment. So what was it, Kevin? This was it's essentially a Christmas tree to make and then hang on your actual Christmas tree. Inception. This was um like just make a Christmas tree, like cut it out with construction paper. Okay. And then for the ornaments, 
on your little Christmas tree. And, and the, it was like, I don't know, like a foot tall, maybe something like that. Oh, they really went for it. Mm. Yeah, it was too big. It was way too big to be a Christmas ornament. <laughs> it was basically a whole piece of construction paper, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Full-size sheet of paper that you cut a tree out of. It was just hideous. And then I glued on as ornaments popcorn. Oh, God. <laughs> you still have this? This ornament... <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Why didn't do you have it with you right now? Because I want to. See I don't have it here. How the fuck did you pick this and not show us right now? It's not here at this podcast studio. Well, you better get a freaking picture of it. And you better <laughs> send it to us because we need to see, see a that. picture of this. I'm, I'm just after all these years. I'm just fascinated by the fact that it still exists. Popcorn, and I'm talking about popcorn that was popped in the mid 1970s. Oh my god. Makes you never want to fucking eat popcorn. Yeah, I love popcorn. Jesus. This is popcorn. I was trying to think, like, who was president? Like, was this from the Jimmy Carter administration? or <laughs> Maybe even Gerald Ford? I'm not sure, but this is mid-70s popcorn <laughs> on this stupid construction paper tree. Ew. And so... Oh, my God. That's so funny. I've got to call that one my favorite. Okay. You know what? Random, well, not random, but coming off of you making it in elementary school out of construction paper. Did you ever make like the snowmans where you like snowman where you like pulled apart the cotton balls and glued the cotton balls on the snowman to make it like snow? I, and think then, so. I don't think so. Did you do that? Or was that a 90s kid thing? They were like, let's stay away from this popcorn thing and just use cotton balls. <laughs> I do have. I made a snowman like with styrofoam balls, I think. That might have been like a Cub Scout project as opposed to a school project. Okay. Yeah, I have a very like vivid memory of being in elementary school making this snowman. I didn't remember it until this one Yeah, second. neither did I yeah. until we just started talking about um. elementary school projects. <laughs> But I did, in elementary school, I've got at least two ornaments that are, like, cookies, but they were baked with, like, some sort of glue that'll keep them cookie-ish forever. They still smell really fucking good. So every time I look at them, I'm like, just just a tiny bite, and I'm like, don't do that. That's disgusting. Ew. It's weird, though, that they're like, let's put foodstuffs on your tree. Yeah, like, it's mm-hmm. odd. A choice. All right, Martha. All right, so like as far as I didn't do favorite specific decoration, like this was a, your idea. I, I was, <laughs> if I'm doing like a favorite, the my favorite thing for Christmas, if I only did one thing, it would just be putting up a tree because I like having that's a tree. fine. The tree, yeah, the, the tree, tree is, my favorite. is your favorite decoration. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I definitely put that in the parentheses. Yes, but also for the parentheses, fuck you. I do love those lame window candles. <laughs> They're lame and boring. They are lame and boring, but it was always the thing that, like, my mom would put them in the window, and I knew it was getting to be Christmas. No, we never had those because they were lame and boring. Well, I was going to say, because your family always does a thousand things, (laughs) and you know my mom is like, let's do things in, like, like white, basic queen things. You know that's how she is. Um, But, yeah, no, I think... Probably one of my favorite things about Christmas, like even if I didn't do like a full tree myself, because if I lived by myself, I wouldn't because I'm poor and, you know, I would do a small plasticky something in a fun color. But I love Not even that you're poor. You're just cheap, lazy, <laughs> cheap and lazy. Both of those. Yeah, because I don't want to decorate a whole tree myself. No. That's so much fucking work. That's the right there. Yeah. <laughs> 
both of those. That's fine. But I love, like, one of my favorite things about Christmas was when you're going around, like, walking the dog at night and you see all the trees and in the windows. windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, anything where I can kind of look in somebody's window and not be too much of a creep. She loves looking in people's windows and being a creep. Was that you the other night? We were trying to figure out who was out there. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She she quickly flew all the way to Massachusetts just to quickly look in your window and be a creep. This explains everything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my favorite is the Christmas Village. Yeah, that makes that The Christmas Village. So the Christmas Village is all the little like ceramic houses that light up and all the people and you have all the little Christmas trees trees, and you have like the pet store and the bakery and the police station and the ice rink and the tree. Yeah, I have a a small setup. We used to, so let's go into first just the history Mm -hmm. of it quickly. Um, so there's actually a shit ton of history to Christmas villages and like how they mm. grew over the years, but uh, we'll just go into the basics. So the earliest Christmas villages were probably the na- nativity displays. That's uh, probably that where it really started off. <laughs> but in many cultures, it was common to add not only like the shepherds, the sheep, all the typical nativity stuff, but also little uh, townspeople in contemporary dress. So whatever happened to be That's the style cute. of the time, they would put little Little figures in there with them. And then areas that were settled by German speaking Moravians, 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 the seasonal communities were called putzes from the German word for put, set up, or putter. So the Moravian families and then others eventually they would set out displays early in the season and either tweak or putz around with them throughout Christmas, until Christmas, mm. which is where the putz comes from. Eventually, those scenes would include buildings, figures, and accessories, which is where the village started to grow. In the late 1800s, the putzes often included wooden or cardboard box-shaped houses. Originally, many of these came from Germany, but then in the 1900s, the house-shaped cardboard boxes were coming in from Japan in large numbers. Then in the 20s, the Japanese cardboard houses started coming with little holes in them, and you could place those little bulbs, the C, um, six bulbs in them, so then they would illuminate, and that's essentially where we got them now. So they're all, a lot of them now are, well, the nice classic ones, I think some of them are like, they're ceramic they have the windows. So a lot of them now are like super intense and they have really cool displays and a lot of lights. If you go back to the older ones and probably like the 60s, they're a lot smaller windows, but they're open. So you put the bulbs in them and they're all different things. So we used to have a huge one in our kitchen. So it would essentially span our whole kitchen wall. So it was a solid like nine feet by probably three feet board. Okay. And... We had a whole whole display. All of the houses, we would have a train that would go around. The train would go under. I was thinking there's probably a lot of crossover with the model train people. Yes, which is actually part of the history of the town, like when it came that that I didn't super get into because I could probably literally do an episode on it. But the train would go under like a mountain and we'd have a backdrop. There'd be like, then they got like the fancy ones where it was like moving. So like we had an ice skating rink that had like a magnet on it. So you'd have a couple ice skaters moving on. 
on it, like Ferris wheels, like the ones they have now is crazy. And we'd have all the people, all the trees, all the lampposts. We'd have all the, I remember we'd have like the plastic brick walkways and they'd obviously be all rolled up because that's how we would store them in the (laughs) attic for the winter. And we would put them in the microwave (laughs) and then put them under books to flatten them before we put them on the board. We'd have all the snow and I would sit and it would be like Barbies. I would sit there and I'd (laughs) play with all the people and they'd live a happy little life. And there were so many lights. The trees would light up and it was huge. We had a huge one. My parents don't do that anymore because we're not children anymore. But (laughs) I love a Christmas village. Our Christmas is like, yeah, our Christmas village is a mess because we have a catzilla. But uh, (laughs) it's been out all year. And it just, and yeah. now it's been, now we've turned it on. I have to fix the trees and all the people that he has knocked over. <laughs> but uh, I love a Christmas village. They're really cute. cute. Yeah. My family never had like an extensive kind of village thing like that. But the nativity thing that we had every year for a while, I would sneak one of my Star Wars figures into the nativity scene. <laughs> Like I would add like one of the sand people, one of the Tuscan Raiders. I'd slip that guy in as a fourth wise man. <laughs> there you go. He's just the villager in contemporary clothing. It's fine. Yeah. I'd count how, how many days it took for my mom to find him and get mad. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So I love a good Christmas village. That's great. All right. Yeah. So that wraps it up for us. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Third mm-hmm. annual oh, Christmas. Come on. You know I love hanging out with you uh, here on the show and over on my show, The Flopcast. We did this this week as well. So it's a uh, official Creature Double Feature podcast crossover tradition. Let's do it. Crisis Three years feature. in a row. Oh. Christmas Crisis Double Christmas Feature. Christmas Crisis Double Feature. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Shit, that's so good. We need to evolve to get there, but we got there. All right. Well, I guess we'll close it off here. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Look mm-hmm. forward. Hopefully we can do a summer one, but if not, we'll definitely do another Christmas one next year. Yeah. So um, make sure you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music now. We're also on the ESO Network and on Podbean. And we will see you some Tuesday. Future Tuesday. Future one. It's an excellent Christmas. It's a hard rock holiday. So we're all singing welcome to the jungle all the way. We'll stay right over Paradise City and if we're feeling rude, we'll burn down all the Christmas trees and then we'll get tattooed. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.